This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Revelation chapter 2, we're looking at the Lord's letter to the church at Ephesus. Chapter 2 of the book of Revelation, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us clear instruction as a church, and we want to listen to you and obey what you have to say to us. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us and for your desire for us to be light in the world and to reflect your holiness. We pray you would touch us by your Spirit even as we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you see from the graphic that the series is entitled Dear Church. And these are seven letters written to the seven churches in Asia Minor, the first one being Ephesus. Ephesus was the gateway city. It was the biggest city. It was the city where it all started, and the other churches were planted from Ephesus. So Ephesus was the mother church of all of the other six churches to follow. And it was a postal route that these letters are addressed one after another by Jesus. The question today is, why is Jesus worthy of your ardent love? Why is Jesus worthy of your ardent or passionate love? I'm going to give you six reasons. The first is Jesus speaks to you today. 
aren't you glad Jesus speaks to you today? And for that reason, you should love him with all your heart. Second, Jesus is with you today. I'll tell you, if there's a word of encouragement that boasts us up and buoys us up and helps us, it's Jesus is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I need that, don't you? Third, you can love the Lord with all your heart because Jesus knows you thoroughly through and through, in and out today. Fourth, Jesus carefronts you. Now here's a word, instead of saying confront, which sometimes has negative connotations, I'm using a word carefront, meaning that he cares enough to point out the things that need improvement in our lives. And then Jesus is patient with you today. And finally, Jesus gives you victory today. We're going to see these six things in our text as to reasons why Jesus is worthy of our ardent love. First of all, Jesus speaks to you today. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, the first part, it says, To the angel or messenger of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand. So the Lord Jesus himself is speaking, and he wants us to listen to his words. The book of Revelation is an open book, and it reveals God's plans and purposes to his church. When Daniel finished writing his prophecy, he was instructed by the Lord to shut up the words and seal the book, Daniel 12.4. But the opposite is true for John. When John wrote the prophecy here in the book of Revelation, Revelation 22.10 says, seal not the saying of the prophecy of this book. Why? Well, since the cross, the resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, God has ushered in the last days. Did you know we're in the last days? The last days started after Jesus ascended to heaven. From the cross on, the last days have come, and in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So the Lord Jesus is the ultimate revelation. And he has the final and the last word, and he's speaking today, and he's speaking to us. The book of Revelation is a love letter straight from the Lord to you and to me, to his church. Now, this is interesting because the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to give us three kinds of literature in the Bible. John wrote the Gospel of John, in which the message was believe. John 20, 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But the Holy Spirit also inspired John to write epistles. In addition to the gospel, epistles are letters to the church, and the message of those letters could be summarized by the words, be sure be sure of your salvation. 1 John 5.13, 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, that you may be sure that you have eternal life. And then the last genre or kind of writing in the Bible that God used John the right is the book of Revelation. And the message could be summarized by the words, be ready, be ready. Revelation 22.20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. The book was written by John in the year 95 AD, around 60 years after the ascension of Christ. John was around 90 years of age at this time. So we are to believe, we're to be sure, and we are to be ready. Christ revealing his will and his word to us. The Lord speaks today. Now if you look at Revelation 119, you have the outline of the entire book of Revelation in one sentence. It says that you're to write down the things which you have seen. That refers to the vision of Christ in Revelation chapter 1. You're to write down the things which are, and that refers to the letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And you're to write the things which shall be hereafter, and that refers to the events covered in Revelation chapter 4 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. That's the outline of the book in one sentence, and it's found in Revelation 1, 19. So while the book was originally sent to seven actual local churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, John makes it clear that any believer who reads the book of Revelation will be blessed and will profit from it. There's a special blessing, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. He didn't send it to us in order to satisfy our curiosity about the future. Uh, the the reason it's sent is to reveal God's will, God's purpose, and the theme of it is that God will defeat evil and establish his reign. That's the theme of the book of Revelation. This past week, I had the opportunity of visiting Bob Glines in a rehab center, and uh, he had survived COVID at age 99. And uh, now he's uh, recovering and will soon go home when I saw Bob, who is such a man of God, he said to me, straight out, God is the head, not the tail. I thought that was rather profound. And it has everything to do with the book of Revelation. God is the head and not the tail. But then he added to that, he said, and God wants all the glory capital A, capital L, capital L. God wants all the glory. What a man of God. He really has summarized the book of Revelation. God is the head, not the tail, and he wants all, A-L-L, the glory. Praise God. So each of the seven letters begins with a personal description or designation of Jesus Christ. Notice that he holds the seven stars in his right hand. And so he holds the, um, the leaders of the church in his hand. He's in control of ministry. He places uh, pastors in place, and he 
transfers them and moves them to other places. I am so grateful that he moved me across town to be with you two years ago after I retired. So praise the Lord for that. We then hear the Lord's words, and what he is saying to us is, listen to my word, but also know that Jesus is with you today. Revelation 2.1b says, and he walks among the seven golden lampstands. Each church is a lampstand. Each church is a bright witness for Christ in our area. And the Lord walks among us. You know that song, and he walks with me and he talks with me? That wonderful song in the garden reminds us that the Lord speaks to us through his word and he is present with us by his Holy Spirit. We have as many precious promises and we have his divine power so we can be partakers in his divine nature. Praise be to God for that message mentioned by Peter in his second letter. So here we have that the Lord is with us. Keep in mind that the churches at this time were experiencing severe persecution. Let me try to update you as to what's happening. Back in 64 AD, Nero was the emperor of Rome. Peter was crucified upside down under Nero. Paul was executed by the sword, beheaded under Nero, emperor of Rome. Nero practically burned Rome to the ground, and he blamed the Christians, and persecution was severe among the Christians. This is in 64 AD. In 70 AD, Titus goes and attacks Jerusalem and destroys the temple in 70 AD. In 81 AD to 95 AD, Domitian, the emperor, has an extensive time of persecution that's pervasive throughout the Roman Empire. Timothy is clubbed to death. John is thrown into a pot of boiling oil and miraculously survives that. Then he is banished and exiled to an island called Patmos, about 10 miles long, 5 miles wide, where he's to do hard labor, and he's in his 90s. Obviously, he's calling out to the Lord, Lord, what's going to happen? Is the church going to die? Is the church going to fail? And the Lord gave him this revelation, which assured him and assured those who heard it that the Lord's going to win. He's going to defeat evil, and he's going to establish his kingdom. So keep in mind that the Lord is with you, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is with you in your good times and in your hard times, and he wants you to keep trusting him and loving him. Third, we are to love the Lord Jesus with an ardent love because Jesus knows us 
thoroughly. He knows us today. He knows exactly your address and your phone number in terms of your spiritual condition today. As you sit there, he knows if you're struggling. He knows if you're hurting, if you're grieving. He knows if you are slip-sliding away from him or have abandoned him altogether and gone prodigal. He knows if you are hot for him and can't wait for his return. He knows your spiritual condition right now. Before you have a thought, he knows it. And here he says to the church at Ephesus, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. The Lord knows the good things that you do for him. It says, I know your deeds. And when it speaks about the hard work, the Greek word is, I know that you have worked your finger to the bone. I know you have worked to the point of exhaustion. I see that. You are hard working for the kingdom. Uh, and I acknowledge that. I see that you stay pure in your doctrine and you cannot tolerate wicked people. And the city of Ephesus was filled with wicked people. You see, Ephesus had the temple of Artemis or Diana. And people would worship this fake, false goddess through uh, having sex with temple prostitutes. It was gross. It was immoral to the max. And for them to say, no, we're going to be separate from that. No, we're not going to partake in that. No, we're going to uh, not tolerate those wicked people and we're going to test any false teacher that comes our way, was commendable. And the Lord saw that, and he knew their desire to be doctrinally pure. And he saw that they persevered through many hardships. And the word persevere means to stand up under pressure. You know, when you see a submarine, or you hear about a submarine going many fathoms under the sea, you wonder, how is that submarine not crushed like a, an aluminum can? And the reason a, a submarine is not crushed when it goes under the sea, deep, 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 is because the pressure that's exerted around it to crush it is matched by a pressure within it. And the Lord is your strength. He's the one who upholds you and gives you the ability to stand up even when the world wants to press you down and squash you. The Lord is your strength. Jesus said, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And the picture Jesus is giving us is that of grapes being stomped on. You know, when you're making wine, you stomp on those grapes. And Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have pressure and stress, much like a grape getting squashed and stomped on by a Bigfoot. But be of good cheer, for I have 
overcome the world. And I'm in you. So you're going to be an overcomer by keeping your faith in me. And that's a theme in the book of Revelation, to be an overcomer. And the book of Romans 8 says we are more than overcomers through Christ. We are conquerors, more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. So praise be to God that he's looking at this church and he's affirming and commending the positive things that they are doing. So don't grow weary of well-doing. Don't think no one's noticing how you're trying to live for the Lord because the Lord notices that. Jesus said, what you do in secret, the Lord sees and he will reward you. So your work in the Lord is not in vain. God sees it, God knows it, and God will reward reward it. But what we also need to know is that Jesus confronts us today. Instead of confront, which has negative connotations, carefront means out of loving concern. He corrects us. You've got to hear the tone of the Lord. The tone of the Lord is never a demeaning, downgrading, scolding tone. No, our Lord's tone is one of compassion and concern and of utmost desire for the best for us. And he is saying in Revelation 2.4, Yet I have this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Only the head of the church, Jesus Christ, can accurately inspect each church and know its true condition. You have some churches, like Laodicea, that look rich, but he calls them poor. And then you have some churches, like Smyrna, that look poor, and the head of the church, Jesus, calls it rich. So Jesus gives each fellowship an x-ray or a CAT scan of its condition. But he intended for each of these letters to be read at each postal stop so that they heard all of the letters, the one applying to Ephesians, the, um, also was heard by the church in Smyrna, and they were able to draw and apply all that related to them, not just their letter. So this is very interesting. Before Christ judges the world, he must judge his own people. 1 Peter 4.17 For It is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? I have never spoken more true words than those for such a time as this. If you haven't seen the hand of God's judgment in his church, calling out people who we think are Christian celebrities for their secret sins and exposing them for the world to see. That has to happen before God pours out his wrath on the world, before the great tribulation comes. Do you think that we're in the last of the last days? I think we are. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in our day. And that's why 
we need to listen to God. We need to have a big ear towards God and say, yes, sir, to our commander-in-chief. Because a purified church doesn't need to fear the attack of Satan or of men. G. Campbell Morgan wrote, It's a very remarkable thing that the church of Christ persecuted has been the church of Christ pure. The church of Christ patronized has always been the church of Christ impure. When we have it easygoing, we tend to get off course. When we're being persecuted, somehow that first love tends to come back. So here's this church. It's busy, it's uh, sacrificing, but it has heart trouble. They abandoned their first love. Their outward works were not motivated by love for Christ. Do you remember the story about Mary and Martha? Martha was busy about many things, but Mary chose the one thing that mattered. What did she do? She sat at Jesus' feet, listening to him, loving him. That's how we need to be. We need to be like Mary in our devotion with the Lord and like Martha in our service for the Lord. It's not one or the other. It's that we're not to neglect adoration of the Lord. So labor is no substitute for love. And purity is no substitute for passion. We need to have both. Love and labor, purity and passion. Jesus is worthy of our ardent love. Now, the Lord, in writing this letter to Ephesus, tells them how to return to their first love. In Revelation 2, the first part of verse 5, consider how far you have fallen. And secondly, repent and do the things you did at first. So we are to reflect. Boy, I remember when I became a Christian and how I was riding on cloud nine and I had this passion for the Lord. Couldn't wait to read the Bible. Couldn't wait to talk to him all day in prayer and couldn't wait to tell other people about him. What happened to me? How come I'm so cold and calloused and cynical and not spending any time in the Bible and hardly ever praying? What's happened to me? Take inventory. Assess your current spiritual condition. Be honest with God. He knows where you are already. Consider how far you've fallen. And repent. Change your mind. Change your mind about accepting the same old, same old and say, Lord, I want to return to my first love for you and do it, that is, live with you in devotion and adoration and worship and in service as I did when I first became a believer. So we're to follow the Lord's instructions. And for the believer, this means praying. It means Bible reading. It means meditation. It means obedient service. It means worship and giving. Jesus is patient with you, Revelation 2, 5b, and 6. We are to love him with an ardent love because he's patient with us. Notice his warning. He says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. 
So the Lord comes to us and he says, I'm giving you time to repent. And I'm giving you credit. I understand that you really want to live for me. But I'm serious. If you don't change your ways, I'm going to close this church down. That's what he's saying. I will remove your lampstand. He's not saying you'll lose your salvation. He's not saying you'll go to hell. He is saying, I'm going to close that church down if you do not repent. The sad thing is you can go to Ephesus today and see the ruins of Ephesus. Their witness was shut down. Here was a church that had everything going for it. It had the best pastoral team. It started with Priscilla and Aquila. It had uh, Paul as pastor. It had Timothy as pastor. Onesimus, um, Tychicus, uh, Apollos. All these people were on the staff of this church. It had everything going for it. But because they left their first love and they did not repent, the Lord did remove the lampstand, the witness of the church in Ephesus. And that should be a word of caution for us. God's patience leads us to repentance. When you think of how good God is to us, when we're so undeserving of it, when you think of how God is patiently waiting for us to acknowledge that we're out of line and waiting for us to return to him, you can't help but want to repent. You can't help but want to come back to him. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.